Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, it's so nice to be here this morning with you and a real privilege to be able to speak to you. Um, in fact, what Susan said has been so great and ties in so well to what I have to say and sort of says a lot of it in a very short amount of time. But um, I'm going to be continuing along our theme of scattered servants. And um, the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. So I'm going to read it from the NIV, and it goes like this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Um, I, I try to sort of put this in my own words and focus on the bits that I'm going to be speaking about this morning. And I sort of looked in some dictionaries and some other translations. And this is what I came up with. Um, and I hope it helps you to um, see that passage sort of in a different way. Um, I've put this. The gospel of Christ is so precious and of such importance that whatever challenges and hardships you face live in a way that glorifies Christ and gives credibility to the salvation he has purchased for you through his death. Bravely and courageously, together as a team, with one purpose, do your utmost to share this good news, taking ground for God despite opposition. Expect to suffer for Christ because suffering for him goes hand in hand with being a Christian. So, um, I'm going to focus in on the very first verse in that passage. What exactly does it mean to conduct yourselves, or conduct ourselves, in a manner worthy of the gospel? Or as the Message Bible puts it, to live in such a way that we are a credit to the message of Christ. I love this quote from Matt Chandler. Um, I think he puts it in like a really easy, simple way. And he says this, when he, Paul, commands others to live in a worthy way, he means that we should live in such a way that shows that what we believe is of supreme worth. For Christians, it means living in such a way that Jesus is seen as big and that Jesus is seen as glorious. You see, the thing is, we don't have to earn the benefits of the gospel. We're just living out of the reality of the gospel. We are loved, we are children of God, we are bought at a price, we're forgiven, we're citizens of heaven. And how does that look like in practice? I wrote a huge long list that I haven't got time to go through right now. But what it might look like is that we can love others because we know that we are deeply and unconditionally loved. It means that we can forgive others because we know that we are forgiven of great things, of everything we've been forgiven. Um, we can share Jesus with others because we know the price that he paid 
on the cross for our sin. And we understand that what he did gives eternal life and saves people. And that is so important. We conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ as we work together and contend for the faith of the gospel. We're all so different, aren't we? I look around this room. There's people here from different cultures, different backgrounds, different life experiences. We have different passions. We, um, are, we are all so different. But there is real beauty in our diversity. And um, as we work together, we make a huge impact. Um, unity is um, just so powerful. It gives credibility to the gospel who wants to join a people who are fighting amongst themselves and disagreeing on everything? Um, unity draws the presence of God. We know that God loves unity. And actually, we need each other. We need each other to spur each other on and encourage each other, to pray for each other. We can make use of each other's gifts. Even this morning, I have been encouraged before this talk by some of the people in this hall here. I've received text messages this morning from others who are spurring me on and trying to build me up. Um, so, living life worthy, conducting ourselves worthy of the gospel, this can be a real challenge, can't it? Even in the best of times when we're feeling fine and everything is great. But you know what? Paul is urging us to live like this, whatever happens. And at the time of his writing, that, that meant while he was in prison, to the church who was facing persecution. My family has a map of the world in our dining room, and it's the World Watch List, and it's got the 50 countries in the world where persecution goes from extreme to fairly extreme. And um, we pray for our brothers, Christian brothers and sisters around the world who daily are facing persecution. Um, here in this country... If we share Jesus with other people, at worst we might be rejected, our friends might not want to know us, they might misrepresent us to others. But in countries like North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya or Pakistan, your following Jesus would result in torture and almost certainly death. I'm so inspired by Christians who have been tortured and persecuted and who still choose to follow Jesus. Did you know that last year, 2,938 Christians were killed for their faith, and that 11 Christians are killed every single day in the top 50 of this World Watch list of those countries? I want to share a story with you about a man called Azam. The only thing is I've noticed there are some children here, so I'm going to edit the story as I go along, because it is really quite a gruesome story. But what I want to tell you is, Azam was a pirate who lived in Somalia. He, is, uh, he still lives there now. Um, I imagine his name has been changed. Um, I read this story, which was quoted from another story. Um, but what happened with Azam is that he started receiving dreams about Jesus. Now, he'd been brought up as a Muslim. And um, he went to his imam and he asked him about these dreams that he'd been receiving about Jesus. And he was beaten and berated. And when he went back home and told his mother, she told him to flee for his protection. And he did. He ran away to a place where he knew people would protect him. And he thought that his father wouldn't know where he was. 
But his father was a powerful warlord in the region. And I won't go into details about what happened. But Azam received a package, and as part of the package, he received a photo that showed that his mother had died. Now, the amazing thing about this story is that um, uh, at this village that he was, he was able to learn more about Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus. And what happened then was that he found those people. He knew the people who had... um, had killed his mother, and he found them, and he was able to forgive them. Now, in his culture, if somebody harmed you or a member of your family, you harmed them back. And in fact, when they met him on the road, they had their knives ready because they were prepared for a fight with him. But he told them how Jesus had forgiven him and how Jesus loved them even though they were murderers, and that he was forgiving them and Jesus had forgiven them. And that resulted in their conversion to Christianity. Now, Azam, he rides in coffins um, across the border to Kenya, and he collects Bibles, and he rides back under the corpse of a body, back into Somalia to, to distribute these Bibles. And he does that because Somalian Muslims can't touch a dead body or a coffin. And he's risking his life. Now, when I read that story, I thought, oh, gosh, if I was Azam, I'd probably be at home praying that other Muslims would have uh, dreams of Jesus, just like he did. And I'm sure he does pray that, and I'm sure many Muslims are praying that who've received those dreams. But actually, he's also risking his life to share this amazing news, this good news that Jesus came to save us. And he's doing that because um, he believes, he truly believes, that to live is Christ and to die is gain, that Jesus is worth any cost, even the cost of his life. I just find that absolutely incredible and faith-building. So Paul urges us to be frightened of nothing and no one. So why be frightened? Because we live in a country where we do not experience those levels of persecution at all. And uh, I was just thinking about it. Why are we frightened to share this good news with other people? And um, one of the things that I thought about was how I sometimes think the message of the gospel, though it is such good news, it excites me, it's beautiful. The more I learn about it, the more I'm just in awe of Jesus and uh, love God. But the message is really, really hard because it's really exclusive. Um, What we're saying is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. It is the narrow way, and it's really uncomfortable to share because it requires a response, either an accepting of it or a rejecting of it. In our culture, there's a real worry of offending people of them disagreeing with us and rejecting us. Sometimes, for me, it seems easier to serve people and love people without having to bring Jesus into the conversation because that can make it feel a bit awkward or uncomfortable. We can really worry about being insensitive. And uh, sometimes I even pray, God, like, bring people to me so that I don't have to make that first uncomfortable first step. I remember once when I was at university, um, somebody there asked me about my faith, and I felt so uncomfortable and so worried about what they'd think about me that after a few sentences, I really quickly changed the conversation. I cared so much about what they thought. 
I also felt no reason to share my faith. I was at a point where I just thought my faith was just for me and private and how I really wish I could have that moment back now. Um, I love Becky Pippett's book, which is called Out of the Salt Shaker, and she says something in it that really was a revelation to me years ago. She put, if you are sensitive enough to realise that you could offend someone, then offending others is probably not your problem. We want to be included, we want to be liked, we want to be accepted and approved of, and we fear that we may not be. And this is fear of rejection and fear of man. And I've put definitions up there because sometimes I confuse them. They seem really quite similar. Fear of rejection is wanting to be accepted and it makes it really hard to express your own opinions, beliefs and values. And a fear of man is looking to people for approval rather than God, which is actually idolatry. Your value is tied up in what other people think of you. I've had to accept that I will face rejection while sharing my faith in Jesus with others. I've had some normal, embarrassing, uncomfortable and plain awkward experiences of rejection while sharing my faith. Um, I've invited people to Alpha. They've said no. Um, I've offered to pray for people and they've said they'd rather not be prayed for. I've prayed for healing for people and God hasn't healed them. On a um, church prophetic treasure hunt once, I had the words tattoo on an ankle. And as we went to the town park, I saw a lady there who I thought those words related to. So I approached her with my little group and I said, oh, have you got a tattoo on your ankle? And she was very surprised. She said, yes, she lifted up her trousers and showed us. Um, but then when I said, could we pray for you and explained what we were doing, she completely freaked out. <laughs> she actually told us to go away. Um, I remember talking to somebody in a restaurant. I was having a conversation with them. They were seated and eating. And the conversation um, became quite deep. And I ended up talking to someone a bit about God. And then halfway through the conversation, one of the table crew cut in and said, excuse me, we're eating our meal. We need to go fairly soon. Could you please leave? And I felt so embarrassed and insensitive. I felt, almost felt like I'd let God down because I'd been so thoughtless. Um, I remember a particularly awkward time when um, I'd been um, speaking to a man in a local shop once or twice about Jesus and um, trying to, I, I was really concerned about his spiritual state and um, this conversation led on to him asking me out for a drink and I think what he thought was I was <laughs> trying to arrange a date with him even though I had tried to explain that I was very happily married and I thought he understood that um, and it was all very very embarrassing and we did manage to clear it up um, and I trust that wherever he is Jesus is still working in his heart but that that was not that much fun um, I remember um, meeting a lady on the street um, on the way to dropping Izzy and Jamie at school on the school run and actually she is somebody who said to me there's something different about you what is it and uh, I had about three minutes at the traffic lights to to give her an answer, um, actually no less than three minutes, the lights were changing. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, well, I know that I'm unconditionally loved by Jesus and that makes all the difference in my life. And I really thought, oh, wow, when I see her again, like, I'll invite her on Alpha and, you know, 
is this a God thing? Of course it's a God thing. I invited her on Alpha and she said, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, but interestingly, she's friended me on Facebook. So I know that God is working something somewhere in her life. Do you know, I wasn't like this years ago. I have been increasingly freed from the fear of what people think of me. In fact, I feel I'm so well qualified to talk about fear because I was probably one of the most fearful people you have ever would have ever met. And people don't believe that now, but I really was. Um, I've been on this journey, and it's been a process with like these accelerated parts where God has brought freedom to me in a moment um, in special God encounters, but also where in my obedience to trying to do what he has said, I have gained more and more freedom. Um, my journey started when God challenged me to tell people that I was praying for them rather than just praying for them. Um, we had neighbours in Harlow and um, they had told us that they needed a new car and Neil and I were praying for them and they got a new car. In fact, it had a fish symbol on the back and I was like, that's incredible. And um, God said to me, like, let them know, tell them that this is me and that I did this and you prayed for this. Do you know what? I suddenly realised that I was so fearful and fear controlled me because I found it incredibly difficult. I met them in the stairwell. They lived above us. We were in a maisonette. And I said to them, oh, do you know, we've been praying for you to get a car. And they said, oh, that's amazing. It's just exactly the car we need. I said, well, I've even noticed it's got a fish symbol on the back. So it's a bit like, you know, a sign that God did it. They said, oh, we thought that was a surfer symbol. I was like, no. And it actually, shortly after that, they brought down their guinea pig who was sick and said, would you pray for it? I've never prayed so hard in all my life <laughs> before or since for a guinea pig to be healed, I tell you. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, God has changed me and is continuing to change me and free me from this fear. I realised, as Susan said in our Supergang talk, that I was putting so many things before God, making my reputation, my longing to, be, my longing to belong, making those all into an idol. I didn't understand and own my identity as a child of God. I wasn't wearing that crown. And I'm still on that journey. I'm still learning. And I'm sure I will be until I get to heaven. But Jesus is changing us. And we are becoming more like him. I now make the choice to sing God's praises whenever I have the opportunity. And that's not literally. But to sing at church, we can't do that at the moment. But, but to sing it out in the world too. And I loved that declaration, Peter, that you put up at the beginning. Because that was talking about praising God. Um, for me, that's become normal. It wasn't always so. And I loved Al's talk last week about being an open book. Because this is how I live, how I try to live my life with my friends, whether they're Christian or not um, I try and share the high points and the low points and if I'm struggling with my faith I go back to the hope that I have in Jesus that is in the Bible the stuff that he's done in my past and the stuff that he's spoken over our family um, uh, a, a very quick example is um, I bumped into some neighbours um, a few weeks back and it was a time when our family was going through a really tough time with Jamie. He'd start, started secondary school. Um, it was really tough. It was painful for me. And they asked, how are you? And I said... 
this is how I am. And I told them in great detail, and I made myself very vulnerable. I explained why it was we were all struggling and what was happening in me. But I said at the end of the conversation, the thing is, I said, people have spoken words into our life about what God will do with our family. And I know God's got us, although we feel so stretched and are going through such a difficult time through this. And I'm trusting that God will get us through. Do you know, in this conversation... The, the husband and I, I felt like he really connected with all of that. And later that week, his wife died unexpectedly. He invited me around for a cup of tea because I think we'd had that exchange in the street that week. And because he felt that he could cope with having me there and speaking to me because I'd shared some details of my life about what had been so hard. And he felt he could open up and just be with me at the time when he was really struggling. I just felt like um, people, some people here needed to hear this today, that God uses you when you feel whole and when you feel broken, that he uses you in the valley and on the hilltop, but if you will let him. Um, in another area of my life, which is public speaking, I still battle fear. I've been freed in the area of sharing my faith, but it's not been across the board. In the area of public speaking, I still really struggle. When I was first asked to do a talk about my faith, I absolutely panicked. It was only a talk at Alpha with a small room full of people, but I was in absolute turmoil. And on this journey, I have had moments of transformation in God encounters and I have also decided to be obedient and to take the opportunity to speak when it's been offered even though it terrifies me. Even on Friday I had a meeting with Barbara Dean where she prayed for me and I experienced another step forward in freedom and I'm praying that one day God will free me like that and I will stand up here without any nervousness beforehand or during and that I will just be able to speak out my heart with you. It, this week, all this week, I've had like this sense of impending doom about this talk. But the thing is, is that I know that communicating my faith is part of my destiny. God has spoken that. And inside, I'm yearning and longing to step into everything that God has for me, the fullness that God has for me. I really battle lies. I battle lies that um, I've got nothing of worth to speak to you. I worry about my reputation, that if I mess up my talk, you'll think differently of me. Um, I want you to like me and approve of, of me. Um, I want you to, um, yeah, go home and say, Ruth Kirkland did a good job today. Um, I don't want to forget what I'm saying and like lose my train of thought because then that will make me look stupid and I don't want to look stupid. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I'm sure that this is a parallel to how many of us feel about sharing the gospel. We know God asks us to. We yearn for others to know Jesus and to receive eternal life. But we're scared to tell them about him in case we're not accepted or in case we look foolish. Perhaps we worry we won't have all the answers or that somehow we'll let God down 
perhaps we're carrying disappointment from times when we've tried to share and it's not worked out well. I haven't got time to go through all these with you, but um, I created a list to show that um, God is working in my life. He's powerful, and alongside him, these are the things that I do that I feel might be helpful for anyone here who is struggling with fear. But the top two are just feeding myself with truth from the Bible about who God is and from that what God says and thinks about me. And you know, when you eat stuff, it becomes part of you, doesn't it? So the more you feed yourself, the more that becomes who you are. Um, I spend time with Jesus and I experience the transforming power of his Holy Spirit. Um, I wouldn't be who I was today without Jesus working in me and the power of his Holy Spirit at at work. Um, I've got lots of slides, so I don't know, Manny, if you could just quickly run through and you can skim your eyes across some of these things. Um, Obedience is key. Um, Being obedient to what Jesus says is um, just shows God such love and honour for him and um, it changes us and it achieves um, all God sets out to do through us. Um, As I become more and more secure in God's love for me, I rely less and less on needing approval and acceptance and belonging from others. I wonder, where is your security based? When you have a need for approval or belonging... What do you do and where do you go to? What do you spend your time on? I have a question for you. What would your life look like if you were fearless? Who would you speak to about Jesus? What would you say? Who would you invite to Alpha? Who would you pray for? Right then and there for healing. Would you ask God to give you love and compassion for others and a concern for their spiritual state? And would you keep praying that prayer? Have you ever cried out to God for your neighbours? Have you ever wept tears over those who oppose God? Jesus' concern for your spiritual state took him to the cross. Ask God to give you concern for the spiritual state of the people around you. I'd love to spend a short time now praying against fear, specifically in relation to fear of rejection and fear of man. I just wonder if you could just close your eyes and hold out your hands. And I just want to ask you, Holy Spirit, to just increase a sense of your presence here with us. We know that you're already here with us. But Holy Spirit, would you just come and increase that sense of your presence? Yeah. I just wonder if in your heart, I do this often, but if you could just say sorry to Jesus for the times when you have put all these other things before him and you have not shed Jesus with others because of your worry of not being accepted or approved of, your fear of rejection or fear of man. Father God, would you fill us with your love and your compassion for the people around us? God, would you help us to see them as you see them? 
that they are created, loved, precious and valuable. Would you help us fix our eyes firmly on who you are? And would you help us to see ourselves as you see us? That we would have our security only from you. That those feelings of belonging, being included, being accepted, being liked and being approved of would come only from you and nowhere else. Would you break off, God, any spirit of rejection and fear of man that we carry? Free us from fear. You want us to be bold and courageous, a people who walk in freedom with authority and purpose in the knowledge that we are fully loved. And we want that too. Would you use this moment, Lord, to transform our hearts and to change our lives by your spirit? Fill us with a passion to share the amazing thing that you have done for us. As we live as scattered people, would we be open, obedient and ready? Yeah, amen. And if you're not a Christian here and you're watching this, please would you email our church office, um, talk to somebody here, uh, yeah, inquire about the Alpha course, because this is such good news that we would love to share with you. Thank you.